Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? In the summer of 1952, Washington DC was buzzed by groups of unidentified flying objects over the course of several days. These craft had capabilities that enabled them to encroach on US airspace with impunity. At a time when Red's under-the-bed's paranoia was at its height, and when American-led forces were having a very hard time fighting communist forces in Korea. Join us on Aliens Explored as we examine the multiple intrusions that became known as the big flap. Hello listeners and welcome to Aliens Explored, a weekly podcast where we look at UFOs, UAPs, uh, USPs, are they called? No, no USOs. Uh, uh, USP is submersed. Your, is your, is- a USP is your unique selling point. That's, that's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> USOs are unidentified submerged objects. Um, we Ooh. look at all sorts of weird and wonderful things connected with aliens and UFOs, as you would guess from the title. Um, even the most, even the most tenuously connected, sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that other voice you can hear is, of course, Neil Kelly. Hi, I'm one of your presenters, Neil Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and I am your other presenter, Stu Jackson. Uh, so how are you keeping, Neil? Uh, well, yeah, I, actually, I don't know. I'm at that stage where I think I've got a bad cold coming. And and the reason I think that is because um, my wife has um, has got a very bad cold, so bad that she's actually off work, which oh. isn't something she does very lightly or ever at all and thinks mm. you know, people should never take time off work just for a cold. But she's done that because it's so severe. And um, I've been keeping my distance from her, um, not just for that reason. I find it's just a generally a good policy anyway to <laughs> for, for the health of our marriage. Is, is so married no, life so, suiting you, Neil? Is there anything is, you yeah. want to tell as long as, us? As long as, as long as we keep our distance from each other, it's, that, 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 that tends not to... Uh, not to cause any arguments. Secret to a good marriage is separate houses. Yeah, but it's it's one of the, it's one of those colds, um, and the way it starts is it feels like the aftermath of a cold. It feels like you've got just gotten over a cold, and it's that kind of full story. You think, oh right, I had the cold and it wasn't that bad. Now I'm just dealing with the after effects. But actually, it's it's not. It's actually the start, and I've had one of these before, and it was awful. So I'm prepared. I'm getting myself mentally prepared for a very bad time. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, I hope you feel better soon, mate. Um, and you've done Thank your you. lap flow test and that. You've you've double checked it's not the plague. Um, actually, no, I haven't. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, it's just a cold. You know, worth it's... a lap flow just to lateral flow. Uh, I could do a lateral. I mean, we've got, I've got a big box of them. That I, 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 yeah. You know, when, when I was doing lateral flow tests at school, and when we finished, they said, well, we've got all these boxes of lateral flow tests. Would you like a box of 50 yes. or 100 tests? So, yeah. Oh, wow. and, and I haven't <laughs> done one of them. 
Oh, I do them quite right. Like twice a week I'm doing do my testing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm really – in fact, well, I don't do them if I don't go out the house, but every time I go out the house, I will do one the next day. If I go out the house okay. for any reason. Yeah, I'm – but, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of quite vulnerable, medically speaking. Um, yeah, so me too. Even, but, despite um, being double jabbed, I mean, my dad, like a friend of my dad's, um, it, very sad, uh, you know, double jabbed, all the rest of it, caught COVID and died. Um, as much as it reduces the risk, and it does reduce the risk, like of catching it, of the severity of it, like really phenomenally, doesn't eliminate it. Still need to no, be careful. People still folks. die of flu after they've had the flu jab. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. And probably the same sorts of rates. I mean, the rates are, you have to, I think it's just very unlucky, isn't it? To, um, it, it is. But, to, you know, the way my look goes, mate. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> other thing. But, uh, yeah. yeah, not feeling well. And you've got an audition this time. Now, I've, I've got to tell you a little story about your audition, which might sound a bit strange. Um, okay. I was speaking to my sister this morning. Um, and, uh, I, I, so we have a weekly phone call and I brought the phone call forward cause, cause we're recording a little bit earlier today because of your audition. No, I mean, that's Ooh. not criticism. That's like, how dare you? Right. Um, but, right. but yeah. Um, and, and I mentioned this to her and of course she listens to the show. Um, and, uh, and she said, oh, like, all right, well, well, do wish Neil the best from me. And she started, she said, Neil doesn't have a fucking clue who I am. <laughs> but of course there's this weird dynamic and i've experienced it myself with other podcasts oh. i listen to and then meeting the people involved you feel like you get to know people really really well but of course oh. they don't know you so she's been listening to like this and she feels like she's gotten to know especially because oh, that's you know, nice you're not shy with your opinions <laughs> I mean, neither of is that, us are. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what she said? <laughs> no, 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 that's my words. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah, so, you know, personality-wise, we come across, obviously. Um, yeah, so she does feel she's gotten to know you really well. Um, oh, so that's lovely. She'd and, love and, a shout-out. Her name's Dawn. Oh, Dawn, thank you so much for your well wishes. I, I have an audition this afternoon for a Christmas drink driving advert. And as I understand it, it's warning against drink driving. Um, rather <laughs> than opposed to promoting <laughs> rather it. Than promoting <laughs> it. Yeah, so, so, so thank you very much for your warm wishes. And perhaps one of these days we'll, uh, we'll eventually meet up in person. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. Um, I've met her. Uh, she's a thoroughly <laughs> delightful person. Um, despite being related to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, so all the best for your audition this afternoon, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll let us know how you get on in a future episode. (laughs) Uh, I will do, yes. Um, I've just – I have actually been getting some work lately. I I shot a – I don't know if any of our listeners ever watch um, Channel 4 online. There's a comedy show called Debate – which is that's a UK B channel. At, that's a UK channel, yes. Yeah, so it's um, B at sign IT, and I've just done another comedy sketch for them. Oh, nice. this woman! This woman makes blankets to hide the homeless. Um, the previous one was called "This Woman Recycles Sex Toys." Right. Oh so, uh, yes, I remember that one. <laughs> Who can forget? <laughs> From last uh, year. I th- so I think people can find these things on YouTube as well, can't they? Down there, clips yeah, on YouTube. Uh, yes, yes, there are clips on YouTube. It's all there on YouTube. I don't, I don't know if YouTube is divided by 
by nationality, whether you can only no, find I certain don't. things. The same. No, it is. All right, I so believe, it's on yeah. YouTube. Either the bait B at sign it. This woman uh, recycles sex toys, and coming <laughs> soon, um, this woman knits blankets or makes blankets to hide the homeless. <laughs> so. <laughs> this woman recycles sex toys. We will not be held responsible for whatever results your search may reveal on that. <laughs> Just to be clear, is, does it need an adults-only warning? Um, if it does, there'll be one there. So, I mean, it's it's an online show, so it's aimed at young people anyway. You're, you're washing your hands of all is. responsibility here. I wash you? my hands of all responsibility. I'm <laughs> A jobbing actor who has no idea about to turn up, say the lines. <laughs> Excellent. Well, gosh, well, turning up today and saying our lines. Um, oh, I, I, mm. I, I was on the verge of a segue with that, but I buzzed. Mm. Never mind. Um, we are here today. I'm just going to say it. We're here today to talk about an event back in 1952. Um, oh, that, oh gosh, long time ago, uh, over in Washington DC. Uh, and, and this time we're 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 actually going to talk about it, aren't we? I mean, we we, we are. We you, we you've we, got we, the whole Roswell, the final verdict thing out your system now, haven't you, Neil? I, I have. I've, I've said my piece. I, I can I can remain silent. I, I hope I haven't upset Marcus at all. By you, it. I'm I'm sure Shout you haven't. Out to Marcus. I have. Pointed him in the direction of that that episode <laughs> to listen to, although I haven't heard from him since. So, hmm. Hmm, okay, I think I was careful <laughs> not, not to criticise no, Marcus, apart were... from his hat, which wasn't his fault. <laughs> you were but, very no, complimentary. No, no, you, you've almost him. got me. You've almost triggered me again. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Washington, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., 1952, bunch of UFOs appear in the skies. Yeah. Causing great a, consternation. A load of UFOs over a series of days. You know, this is not just one event. This is a lot. I mean, so much so, um, it became known as the Big Flap. The Big Flap, yes. The Big Flap was the collective term for this because it, was, like, it wasn't just one sighting of of UFO, this was a series of sightings over a period of days. Um, oh. Incredible sightings as well. You know, not just civilians, but you're looking at military radar operators. You're looking at pilots. You know, proper credible sources for these oh. uh, these events. Now, uh, one of our usual questions that I always put to you: Had you heard of this event before, Neil? Um, no, I hadn't. I hadn't heard of the big flap. I have to um, say, but not I before. mean, not just necessarily under that term. I think that's what it's called in ufology circles, but you know, mm. not so much outside. Um, but like, had you, had you heard of the UFO? Like the UFO, UFOs over the White House? No, I don't think I had. I don't think I had, and it, it's incredible, really. If you think of of the at the time it happened, the context in which it happened. The big flap must have been a tremendous flap. I think 1952, it was at the height of the Reds Under the Bed scare. Yep. The, um, the House Committee on Un-American Activities um, was, was in full flow, blacklisting um, Hollywood writers, actors, directors, producers, and all sorts of other people who they suspected of communist um, <laughs> associations. Um, the war in Korea 
was going very badly. Now, American forces had had a nasty surprise, or their, their air forces had a nasty surprise when the Korean War started. They came up against the, uh, I think they were Chinese piloted MiG-15s, which although Americans did have some jets at the time, um, there was such a rush to get to Korea to stem the advance of the, the North Korean armies in, into the South. Um, uh, America apparently had deliberately not supplied South Korea with decent weapons technology because they were they feared that the South would invade the North. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so <laughs> they kind of overcompensated. And of course, the, America turned up with largely prop planes, World War II vintage, um, in large part because of the lack of runways in Korea. Um, that the, the, at least these prop planes could could use what limited facilities they had, mm. unlike the jets. But then they came up against the MiG fifteen. Suddenly they're they're outclassed in the sky. Um, so to suddenly have flying objects over Washington, which they can't get near. I mean, you think that you know by nineteen fifty two, um, the Americans had got jets like the North American Saber, which was a match for the MiG fifteen, was more than a match for the MiG fifteen, um, because. They're all over in Korea, yeah. fighting the Korean War. So they they probably haven't got their best aircraft, and suddenly there's these high performance craft over the nation's capital, which they seemingly can't do anything about. Um, that must yeah that that must have been a considerable flap. Well, I mean, even then, even if they had had their best jets, that some of the reports, like there's there's one in particular uh, from Kenneth Arnold. Uh, it's quite a famous report in, as part of this, who was a search and rescue pilot. Now, he, re- he he reported, like, famously, saucer-like things, flying like geese. Now, I mean, that instantly puts in my head, remember we've talked about, like, the delta shape that you get uh, with certain UFOs and certainly delta sort of light patterns. So well, that and, made and me spe- wonder about those. Well, speculation that either it's... Um, either it's small craft flying in formation or it's a large it's the running lights of a very very large craft you just can't see the craft yeah exactly and you know um but he did say like specifically saucer like things so so that Hmm. sounds like very much like formation to me but it also makes Hmm. me wonder like you know when we see large delts like I'm, i'm thinking um like the um phoenix lights events mm. and things like that you know was that actually separate craft but anyway that's that's beside the point because he reported these things flying at over a thousand miles an hour mm. now, this was near mount rainier this wasn't um are we talking about over the, the, the White original House. uh this was one of the early reports yeah uh, but mm. over a thousand miles an hour even like you know if they'd had the best jets at home Hmm. How are they going to compete with that? Well, a, a thousand miles. Well, jets can fly at a thousand miles an hour. They certainly can, can they? now. Well, um, they can yeah. now, but in 1952. Um, what was surprising about the, the the flying objects was one that they they seem to have no visible means of propulsion, and two that um, they could fly at that speed without breaking the sound barrier, without causing that. You know, the sound barrier is actually, it's, it's a build, as, as something flies through the air, air molecules can't get out of the way quick enough. So there's a buildup and then suddenly they, they release with a big bang. That's what causes yes. the sonic boom. Yes. Um, they, they weren't causing that, which suggests something that's either very, very extremely aerodynamic um, 
or, or, or insubstantial. Or, or insubstantial, yeah. Mm. That's an excellent, excellent point. Um, but okay, so so you, you refer to modern jets being able to travel at that. Mm. I, I'm going to throw another one at you now. Um, mm. Andrews Air Force Base, uh, this was on the 19th of July. Uh, mm. They saw seven uh, uh, initially slow-moving objects um, mm. moving slowly away away from them at initially quite slowly, mm. then accelerating to over, and this is the official report from Andrews Air Force Base, over 7,000 miles an hour. Mm. That's fast. Um, yeah. Also reported as seeing them as orange balls of fire. And in, in aerodynamic terms, um, I'm sure that, um, what did we call him when, <laughs> when we spoke to an engineer? Um, Barry. Uh, Barry, we called him Barry. That right? So, got to be careful with names here. Um, yeah, I don't want um, to have to edit you out again. Neil. Yeah, I, I'm sure he'd agree that that's that's difficult to do. It's it's one thing to make a, a craft that can fly slowly. It's another thing to make a craft that can fly very very fast. But it's very difficult to make a craft that can do both. Mm. Um, and military forces have achieved some of that booth what they call variable geometry aircraft, aircraft with the wings, you know, they, the, the wings fold out when they're flying at a slower speed and and, and then yes. fold in when they really want to go into rocket mode. Um, the Concorde, um, they spent they spent years trying to develop the, the special wing shape that um, that would enable that would enable it to be stable flying at, at low speeds. But mm. would also be capable of of supersonic speed, and apparently, when the Soviets tried to copy it, when um, when when they they built their Concorde ski, um, it was such a because the, it was such a specific wing shape, this curvy wing, it was difficult to make. So they didn't even bother to try; they just made a straight sort of block triangular delta wing. Right. And when Concorde ski was first revealed at the Paris Air Show in, was it 1974, um, experts looked at it and the first thing they said was, yeah, there's no way that thing is supersonic. And they mm. were they were right. <laughs> and then it crashed. Yep. Mm, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. That, uh, incidentally, that event on the 19th of July from Andrews Air Force Base, that was also witnessed by, uh, separately, uh, by mm. an air traffic controller uh, called Edward Nugent. He's the one who identified that there were seven distinct objects, mm. by the way. Um, but, yes, yeah, so there was a lot going on with it. What, so what? Um, and, and they have the weekends, consecutive weekends, the 19th, the 20th, and the 26th and 27th of July, 1952. Yes. But, of course, the big event was when they started buzzing the White House. Mm. Um, and uh, even you know, that that provoked a response. Um, I mean, obviously, we had some jets back over here because uh, they launched two F-94 interceptors mm. um, to to counter them buzzing the White House. Um, but each time, each time these F-94s approached them, the UFOs mm. would just shoot away. Then the F-19s mm. would turn around and start going back to base, and they'd come back again. Right. 
And then now, the Apaches would turn around, they'd shoot away again. <laughs> the, the, the Lockheed F-94 Bravo Starfire um, had a highly secret airborne radar system. And at first, they weren't allowed to fly deep into enemy territory for fear that... Um, for fear that uh, they would be captured and the, the the technology would be discovered by the enemy, so that's why they were they were back at home. Um, they, right. Apparently, they they proved ineffective on night missions against NIGs. Oh, um, why is that? So, um, I'm trying to. It it doesn't go into any say. any more detail. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, they're also ineffective against UFOs. It seems. Uh, it would seem so, yeah. But they, they so they had this 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 radar system, secret airborne radar system. I mean, airborne radar was was World War Two technology, wasn't it? That aircraft uh, aircraft had by the end of World War Two, there were aircraft with with onboard radar. Right. I, I mean, I I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, it was a secret. A... I remember when I was a kid, and we, used to, you know, as as kids, we were very militarized. We had lots of all our toys were army toys and army dolls, guns, and whatever, and lots and lots of comics. And there was one comic strip character called Cat Size Cunningham, who apparently dated from the Second World War, <laughs> who was a Spitfire pilot. I think a Spitfire. Everyone was always a Spitfire pilot. Um, who would who would uh, who would find German bombers at night and shoot them down. And what they said at the time was the reason he was able to do that, boys and girls, was because he ate his carrots, and it right. enabled him to enabled him to see in the dark. Um, but but and, and in that way they kept um, on board radar a secret. But the, the Germans also had it by the time you know, the, the war in the air was really getting going in, in the in the later stages of the war. They would have long range fighters, the Messerschmitt one ten twin engine plane flying in a sort of box formation waiting for the bombers to come over it would just be permanently in the air right right so if if these things are buzzing the white house these f-94s approach them they fly away mm. and then when the f-94 start to leave they come back again then they fly away again and and so on this cat and mouse thing going on um that's that's pretty much confirmation of an intelligence at work. This is not a natural phenomena doing this, is it? Um, it, it seems intelligent. Uh, my question is, did, were, were these were these objects fired upon, or was it just did the pilots said, oh, don't fucking bother these things? Of, um, there's the, there's these no things. record I've found of them being fired upon, which suggests not. And, and I would find it hard to imagine they'd be launching... Um, missiles readily over the White House. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, at the start of the Korean War, um, jets were still primarily armed with machine guns, and it was only that—that that was their—that's what they were attacking another plane with. And it was only in the course of the Korean War they realised actually these things fly too fast. To, I mean, they could have—they could have realised that during World War Two when the Nazis produced jets, the Messerschmitt Me two six two twin engine jet, which flew a hundred miles an hour faster than anything the Allies had. They couldn't shoot the thing down, so they—they—they they, they kind of didn't register then that yeah we need something uh, other than machine guns. So any surface, any air to air missile would have been in their infancy. Of course, if you're firing them over a populated area, what happens if that missile doesn't reach its target? 
when it yes. eventually runs out of fuel, was it just fall and on the city? Just to address that point about them, they could have done with it in the Second World War. It wasn't until the Germans lost the Second World War and we got their rocket scientists mm. under Operation Paperclip that we were able to do that and produce these mm. missiles for the aeroplanes anyway, because we just didn't have the. No, I'm saying we, I'm including like mm. Allied. The Allied forces didn't have the technologies. Well, certainly the, the technology to produce, a, a, I mean, what you, what you need to shoot down a jet is a guided weapon and one that can fly faster than the jet, one that will catch up with it. Yeah. Because, again, in those days, it wasn't until, um, I remember in the Falklands War, when, when um, Britain went into the Falklands War, they, they had heat-seeking missiles, the anti-aircraft missiles, but they could only, they had to fire them after the jet had gone by because it would, it would home in on its tail fire. They couldn't shoot at an incoming aircraft because um, the heat signature wasn't enough. It was behind the aircraft. So, And it was only when America decided, well, we'll come down on Britain's side. They sat on the fence at the start of the Falklands conflicts, at the start conflict, and, and that's when they said, well, we will, we will help Britain. And, you know, if you lose one of your primary ships, a troop ship or an aircraft carrier, we'll replace it for you. And we will offer you our new um, anti-aircraft technology, which are missiles that can be shot at incoming aircraft. So that's 1982. So this is 30 years before. Yeah. You know, they only had very primitive um, air-to-air missile technology, or even mm. surface-to-air missile technology. So coming back onto. The, the the issue of this in 1952. Mm. So I've got I've I've got two two questions for you, Neil. Um, mm. The first one, if we are talking about an intelligence here, what do you think it was? Um, if we are talking about an intelligence, I don't think it was terrestrial in origin. It wasn't the Russians or the Chinese or or any other rival who'd suddenly made a, a, a vast technological breakthrough. We would have known about it by now. There was, there's all sorts of stuff that's been declassified since the fall of the Soviet Union, all sorts of stuff we didn't know before. Um, but that wasn't among them. I mean, okay. America, America at one point in the early 60s, they thought they had the power to fly into Russian airspace with impunity. Have I told you the story about Gary Powers before? Um, I don't remember the name, uh, the, the whole thinking yeah. they're invulnerable yeah. thing. Yes, Ga- but Ga- Gary Powers was the pilot of a, a U-2 spy plane, which was sent over the Soviet Union. And he was told, don't worry, this thing flies too high. The Soviets don't have anything that can shoot you down. They don't have a plane that can fly that high. They don't have missiles that can reach that high. And um, how wrong they were. Um, but but he was also told um, in the event of some kind of malfunction, um, when you eject from the plane, um, you press the eject button, um, it will eject you from the plane. And then a few seconds later, the explosives, which you're carrying in the plane, will destroy the plane so that there's nothing for the enemy to salvage. They won't be able to. There's no technology they'll be able to exploit. Mm. Um, so anyway. Their predictions proved wrong. The, the Soviets did indeed have a missile that could reach him, which damaged his air. didn't blow him to pieces. It just damaged the aircraft. He knew he was going to come down in the Soviet Union. But he also you know, knew that he was working for the CIA. And a rumor had apparently gone around the pilots that actually, if you press that eject button, it won't 
eject you. It will just blow up the plane with you in it. And that way the Soviets won't get either the plane or the pilot. Mm-hmm. So he didn't press eject. And he managed to bring the plane in for a, 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 a forced landing. So the Soviets got both the plane and the pilot. <laughs> so, how things can backfire when you're not trusted by the people who work for you. Was it true, though? Would the plane well, have blown up if he'd done the eject? Um, actually, I don't know. Gary Powers was exchanged for a Soviet spy some months later and then mysteriously died in an accident shortly afterwards. So, um, Right. Not we, much we of a mystery. No, but the but the U two spy plane, along with um, along with the the, the later Blackbird um, sp- mm. American spy plane, um, have both at times been um, subject to UFO reports. Yes, and the military is quite the happy to, in particular. To, <laughs> yeah, but the military has been happy to keep them that way because yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's it's just someone who will be dismissed as a crank for reporting a UFO rather than someone who's actually spotted our new secret plane. Yeah, and also it's a way of discrediting UFO reports. Yeah, hmm. yeah, but um, I mean that that's that's a process. Works both ways that one. <laughs> Yeah, it, it works both ways. Yeah. Okay, so 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 the answer to my first question: not terrestrial. Your your business is not no. a terrestrial. So we've converted no. you. That's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> my second question then is a bit more obscure. Given that you'd not heard about this, and it is such a major, you know, UFOs mm. buzzing the White House, mm. even though it was, you know, with um, impunity, seventy years ago nearly 69 years mm. ago um you know how, how why do you think you've never heard of this um possibly because it's because it was 70 years ago um uh, i think also yeah, there's been so much noise around Roswell and around Area 51 that um, maybe it just got lost in amongst all that. I don't know. Or maybe, yeah, they're just they're just keeping it. We're just not giving it too much coverage. Um, and, and I think there is this, you know, however much you want to talk about whether these things are genuinely extraterrestrial or not, there, there, is, there is a genuine fear uh, amongst anyone who might want to report something like this that you're going to be dismissed as a crank and you're going to lose your credibility. And if you ever hope to interview prominent politicians and such like, if you've got that UFO crank label attached to you, um, y- your career is going to suffer some difficulty. Oh, as a journalist, yeah. I think as a journalist, yeah. I think um, there, there will be a reluctance to report anything like that or to, or to delve too deeply into it. I mean, I, d- I didn't want to sort of lead you down the path of, because it's a cover-up, but... Mm. Uh, you know, it was a genuine, you know, what possible reason. Um, you see, I mean, it, it it was reported widely at the time. This is the, the thing. And to me, mm. this is an event as big as, you know, Kennedy being shot. And you say it was 70 years ago, but, you know, an event that mm. big, that dramatic. Surely- I mean, Kennedy... <laughs> Kennedy being shot is is something they have to do something about, and they can't they can't really keep it out of the headlines. Our president's been shot, therefore we need a new president. The vice president's going to become our president now. 
and um, whoever well, is that, the Secretary I mean. of State will become the new Vice President, and so on. Um, so, yeah, there has, and also we have to find the culprits, and we and we fully understand what's happened, and it's of this planet, it's of this world, it's a, it's a mundane. You know, political assassination, well, not mundane, a, a, a world-altering uh, mm. political assassination. People, There are all sorts of conspiracies about why why Kennedy, uh, maybe he was about to reveal something about contact with UFOs. But oh, yes, we have discussed more. that on this show. We have discussed that. <laughs> maybe it was to do with Vietnam that was just getting going. But also, but, but with something like this, this is... Things that were in the sky, and I think the official verdict is, yeah, there was something in the sky, but we don't know what it was. And to this day, we don't know what it was. So mm. let's just not talk about it. Mm. And it didn't do us any harm. Um, it certainly didn't reveal enemy any enemy capability to to invade our airspace right over the nation's capital. So the fact that it's such an unknown and no answers have been forthcoming, mm. it, it falls out of discussion but that's an interesting yeah i, I mean yeah. I, I don't have any answers myself i why we're not discussing this on a daily basis is mm. i i struggle to fathom but um i mean i feel that way about the whole ufo thing in general anyway uh, and, and it sort of um suggests some sort of interdimensional rather than interplanetary travel because they just suddenly appeared and then they suddenly disappeared didn't they they shot off um I mean, maybe they didn't have the capability in those days to trace something. Oh, yeah, there they go, way up into space. They're they're halfway to the moon now. Well, that's it. I mean, if they're they're tracking it at 7,000 miles an hour, you know, can they track it if it goes much faster than that? That's Um, that's the question, you know. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It may appear to just appear and disappear, or it may Mm. seem to just, but yes, it depends how fast it is I mean, rockets fly at that speed, don't they? I mean, later in the 1950s, when the Soviets were putting Sputnik into space and then a dog and a monkey and, and then a man. But um, not in low they, atmosphere or relatively low atmosphere. No, but um, they would have... The, the, you have to reach that sort of speed to achieve um, ex- exit velo- escape velocity. Don't you? Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. To, mm, to, interesting. But what do you think, listeners... Um, is the whole 1952 thing, is it, you know, something we should be talking about on a daily basis? Is there, you know, something strange and this is actual evidence or is there something more mundane? Is there, you know, should we not be worried about it? Could it have been a natural phenomenon, um, in fact, that would just one we don't understand? Do write in and let us know at the usual places. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. I meant Facebook. Um, <laughs> but you can find us on all those places by searching Aliens Explored. Or you can email us direct at aliensexplored at gmail.com. Uh, do let us know what you think. And uh, while we're talking to you, um, we'd really appreciate it if wherever you're listening to this podcast, you leave us a cheeky review. Um, that'd be really, really nice. Uh, it helps little podcasts like ours to to reach more and more people and uh, get the whole topic of UFOs discussed more and more. So you'd be doing your bit towards ufology. That'd be fantastic. Um, and of course, don't forget to join us next time. 
Uh, oh, we're just, like talk about world-breaking events. Uh, in 2001, there was the National Press Club, uh, where a lot of UFO stuff was revealed by some very, very senior people. We're going to be discussing that. That's an interesting one, Neil. Look forward to that one. Yeah, we're talking about journalists uh, <laughs> like destroying <laughs> their career. This was the National Press Club itself, so don't don't miss that one listeners so my goodness yeah in the meantime uh, keep watching the skies above the White House and the skies in general to be honest <laughs> <laughs> take care for now catch you next time and, and Marcus sorry if I'm sorry if anything horrible <laughs> I said to you and um, th- thanks again Dawn for your messages of support bye bye Bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com. 